Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Man, good morning, everybody. Good to see you in church today. Yeah, go ahead, clap your hands. Amen. It's great to see everybody. Good to be back in church. I am so thankful. I had to miss the last couple of Sundays because of COVID. I'm, uh, if you've never met anybody that's caught it twice, now you have. I got it last year, too. It kind of went through our whole family. Went through a lot of your families as well. Some of you watching online, some of you are here. But thank God, I'm glad to be back in church today. Amen. It's nice to see all of you. I'm just going to take a minute and get a good look at you. Amen. Good to be back today. I want to remind everybody that we still have our grocery drive going on for the MCEF Thanksgiving food drive. You can bring a bag of groceries, bring some goods. There's some handouts at the Welcome Center in the lobby. Uh, we're collecting those through next Sunday to uh, help with our community food drive, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. I want to welcome you to the fourth part of our series, Be My Neighbor. Amen. Now, in week number one, I talked a little bit about what it means to uh, love my neighbor we defined who our neighbor was, and that was anyone and everybody that we came in contact with. In the second week, Pastor Pavey talked to us from the story of the Good Samaritan. And I would actually like to turn our attention back to that story again today. And we're going to dive into that story just a little bit deeper. And uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. If you have your Bibles, you can take those out. By the way, if you like your preacher to wear a suit coat, quick, take a look. Okay, there we go. That box is checked. Amen. Hallelujah. Take this thing off so I can be comfortable. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man who wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's what we talked about in week one. Who is my neighbor? And, uh, and we talked about that. We recognize that it was anybody we came in contact with. He goes on to, after he asks him that, Jesus decides to answer that with a story. And that's where we're going to focus our attention today, Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. It says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, 
he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen. So let's take a look at this story just a little bit closer here today about how we're to love our neighbors. Now, the story that I just read to you is commonly known as the story of the Good Samaritan. There's three guys in this story who come upon a guy who's been beaten, he's been robbed, he's been left for dead. There's a priest, there's a Levite, there's a Samaritan. It almost sounds like one of those jokes that you tell, right? You're like, hey, one time there was this priest and there was a, but there was a priest, there was a Levite, and there's a Samaritan. Good to see you, Gary. These three guys walk by and they see this crime scene, but each of them has a different response. Now, I want you to know these are really three responses that you or I could easily have to any of our neighbors or any of the people we come in contact with. Three ways that we can react to the people around us. And I point that out because really this is more about three responses or three attitudes than it is three people. Because the truth is, we have all been the priest, we have all been the Levite, we have all been the Samaritan at some time, right? We None of us have been any of them all of the time, but we've been one of them at least some of the time. So I want us today to look at these three responses and see what we can learn from them, okay? Here's the first response that came from the first passerby, and it was the priest. Here's how he reacted. I can keep my distance. This is the first response that a lot of us sometimes have when we come in contact with people. Or some of us, frankly, this is just the way we live our lives. I can keep my distance from people around me. Now, that's the attitude of the first traveler. It's an attitude of avoidance. Everybody say avoidance. See, the Bible gives us his response in verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's a very mountainous road. It's a very curvy road. It was an easy place for robbers and thieves and gangs to hide out. I've actually been on this road. Back in 1998, I was able to go to Israel, and I took a trip, and we went down that road. And I'm going to tell you, it's just not a very safe part of Israel. I can only imagine what it was like in the days of Jesus. And in the story, this priest sees a guy, and he just walks on by. He ignores him. As a matter of fact, it's so bad that the Bible says he literally walked down the other side of the road. It was like, I'm not just going to pass him. I'm going to go down the other side of the road. I'm going to pretend like I don't even see him. I'm going to pretend I'm just going to try to avoid this situation at all costs, I'm going to just keep my distance out of sight, 
out of mind, right? And you know, this is an attitude of life that we so often see, and we see it lived out, and many of us, maybe we've even taken this position. I don't want to get too close to people in my life because they might hurt me. I don't want to get too close to people in my life because they might need me, amen? They might ask me for help. There's people today that just, we keep our relationships superficial because you don't want to get too involved. Now, don't raise your hand if you're that person, but we all know people like that, right? Just keep your distance. Be distracted. Don't let people get too close to you because if they get close to you, you got to help them. If they get close to you, they might hurt you. If they get close to you, you might have to get involved in their lives. So you know what happens a lot of times? We keep our neighbors at a distance. They don't get close to us. You don't get too close to them. We keep people that we work with at a distance, right? You don't let them get too close to you. We even keep sometimes the people in our lives, our family and our friends at a distance because we don't want to be overly bothered by them. We would never say that out loud, but see, sometimes that's kind of how we live our lives. And you keep the people, even, you know, sometimes our neighbors, even neighbors that we're friends with, right, you can go weeks without seeing your neighbors. Maybe you see them every week on Thursday mornings when you take out the trash cans, right? You both have got the same trash company, so every week you get the, here's our trash can wave, (laughs) you know. Or maybe you see them when they're getting out and they're going to work. Or maybe you're past each other and you you just get the courteous. But that's about it. I'm just going to keep my distance. So that was the attitude of the priest, the first one. Keep my distance, avoidance. Then you got the second attitude that we see in the second traveler, the Levite. And that is this. I can be curious but uninvolved. I can be curious, but uninvolved. See, the second guy is a Levite, and here's what it says he did in verse 32. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. I want to read it again from verse, uh, the New Living Translation. It says, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now notice, the Levite takes it one step further. Instead of just walking down the other side of the road, he's walking down the other side of the road and he goes over and he takes a look at the situation and he goes, you know what, I'm curious enough to look, but I don't care enough to get involved. I'm just going to walk by on the other side. It's a Levite. By the way, a Levite is not a guy who sells Levi's, amen? He's a temple assistant, right? But here he is. He's curious enough to look, but he doesn't want to get too involved. See, these first guys, they're both religious guys, and unfortunately, they're both very unloving. How many of you know that religion should make us loving people, but it doesn't always produce loving people, right? And if we're being honest, it probably should. It should make us loving people, but it doesn't always work out that way. You can be religious and go to church every week of your life and never really get to the place where you learn to love your neighbors as yourself, right? Can the church say amen to that? See, these guys, the priest and the Levite, they're dressed in their righteous robes, but they don't do anything when they see somebody in pain. 
And I think maybe, think about it, the Levite's attitude was probably even worse than the priest. At least the priest just walked on by, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But the Levite stopped and he took a look and he said, I'm still not going to do anything. I'm curious, but I'm uninvolved. And you say, well, man, I would never do that. Folks, we do that all the time. We do that all the time, amen? Have you ever seen an accident on the highway? <laughs> you ever seen a car on fire going down the highway? At first you're like, man, why is traffic moving so slow? All these rubberneckers. And then when you get up there, you're like this. I mean, we all do it. How many times have you stared, but you didn't stop? And you know what a lot of us do with our relationships? We're curious enough to stare, but we don't care enough to stop. Amen? See, we look at people's pain. We love to gossip about people's pain. We love to talk about other people's pain. We even love to read about it online or in magazines. People's pain, their struggles, their scandals, their, their difficulties. Um, one of the, I believe it was one of the Baldwin brothers this week, any of you have seen it in the news, he accidentally shot and killed somebody on the movie set with a gun that they thought was empty or loaded with blanks. We don't know the whole story. And, and Mr. Baldwin, I'm not here to discuss his politics, but he's a real staunch gun control person. And you know what really made me sad? I mean, the guy's in a lot of pain from what happened. I saw where some people were kind of making fun of his gun control positions and mocking him in this. And you know what? We Sometimes we just love to make fun of people's pain. Or we, we, well, I know if you would have done this, you wouldn't have got yourself there. Or if you wouldn't have acted this way, you wouldn't be in this position. No, no, no. We can't be that way. We don't want to be people who just stare. We want to be people who stop. We want to be people who care enough to respond and do something. And that leads us to the third traveler who was a Samaritan in Luke 10, 33. Look what it says. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, notice all three stories, it said priests saw him, Levites saw him. But notice what happens with the Samaritan. It says, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And that leads me to the third response. I can treat others how I want to be treated. And folks, this is what I want to preach about today. I didn't forget to give you my sermon title. I saved it till right now. You know what it is? The golden rule. And it comes from the words of Jesus himself in Luke 6:31 where he said, "Do to others as you would have them or like them to do to you." We've all heard about the golden rule growing up, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who? The people in your neighborhood that live next to you. Treat them the way you want to be treated. Can the church say amen? The people you work with, treat them the way you want to be treated. The people you go to school with, the people you deal with at the grocery store, at school, anywhere you go. Folks, this is so simple. Imagine, even if the whole world didn't become Christians, imagine how different our world would be if we would just live by the golden rule. Amen. To treat people the way we want to be treated. This is not complicated. You can treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's what the Samaritan did. And you know what I love about this story? I love what Jesus did with this story. 
and how he always liked to upset the apple cart. You know what he did? He picked the most despised type of person of that day to become the hero of this story. I love it. Because see, a Samaritan was somebody who was half Jewish and he lived in Israel. And folks, you think we've got racial conflict today? You should be a Samaritan living among Hebrews. They hated the Samaritans. They despised them. The Jews, when it came to Samaritans, they were bigoted racist when it came to how they thought about the Samaritans. So Jesus takes this guy that everybody despises, that nobody wants to give any credit to, that everybody's treating like a half-citizen, they're not worthy of respect, and he makes him the hero of the story. Jesus takes the despised, racially rejected, ethnically rejected person, and he says, you know what, I'm going to use him, the guy that is not treated the way he should be treated, I'm going to use him to show you how to live out the golden rule. And here it is again in Matthew 7 and verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. See, folks, that's the heart of what I want to preach to you today. We should all strive to live by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Randy, Randall, I see you're waiting for a good opportunity to bring me the water. Amen. Bless your heart. Amen. This is the most resilient guy I know. Two days ago, he was in the hospital, thought he was having a heart attack. Look at him. Amen. I love you, Randall. All right, so here, I don't want to just tell you how that we're supposed to treat people the way uh, we want to be treated. I want to give you some examples of some stuff that the Samaritan did. Are you ready? Four things before we close. Four things we can apply to our lives to help us love our neighbors the way we want to be treated. Here we go. Here's the first thing he did. Are you ready? I must learn to see their needs. Amen? I got to learn to see needs. It begins with observation. Look what he did, Luke 10, 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. I've got to learn to see what people in my life need and where they're at. Folks, we just need to open our eyes to the world and see the people around us. Amen? I've got to learn to be sensitive and aware of the needs around me. Love begins by looking. Love starts with the eyes. You can't meet a need until you can see the need. You can't care until you are aware. It begins with seeing. And hear me, folks, there are wounded people all around us. There are wounded people all around us. Some of them are sitting on your row right now. There are people next to you right now who are wounded physically. Some are wounded financially. Some emotionally. Some relationally. Some have been impacted by COVID. I don't want to embarrass her, but I see Tammy back here in the back. Her husband's in the hospital right now uh, battling for his life with COVID. She's wounded. She's in the house of the Lord today. You know what? We just need to love on her and let her know how much we love her and we're praying for her. Amen. See, but sometimes we get so busy with our own lives, we don't realize there's wounded people all around us. Yes, even in the church. Amen. Some of them have been wounded by their parents. Some have been wounded by betrayal. Some have been wounded by grief. There's wounded people all around us, but sometimes we don't see it because we don't have our eyes open. And hear me, I want to say that it's not because we don't care. 
I'm not here to beat up on everybody and talk about how bad of people we are. There are a few cold-hearted people in this world. We know them. We've run across them. They're shocking to us sometimes when we're around. But it's not because we don't care. You know what it is? We're just so busy. We're all so busy. You know, and the number one reason why we don't see the needs of people is busyness. How many of you have noticed on, you know, you ever get one of those days where you wake up early? It seems like the clock is barely moving. It's one of those mornings, and you're early for everything, and you're going, and you're doing this, and, and you're going and getting gas, and everything. I mean, you just got all this time, and you go to Starbucks, and there's a big long line, and you don't even care because, I mean, you've just got all this. Have you noticed how nice you are when you're not busy? Have you ever noticed that? Or you have one of, the, one of those days where you're not, your schedule's not crowded and you go grocery shopping and you just meander down every single aisle, you know. God forbid if you go to Kroger, you're going to be there all day, amen. And you just, you just meandering up and down. I mean, you're just taking your time. You go to home and you're nice to everybody. You're just talking to everybody. And, and, and I was at Home Depot one night last week and I was having one of those nights. I was there and I had a little bit of time. To, and I just happened to run into this guy. He was an old veteran. And, I could, and apparently he didn't have a whole lot of people who would give him the time of day to talk. And he struck up a conversation with me. And 20 minutes later, and for those of you who know me, that was a miracle straight from the throne of heaven that I stood there for 20 minutes and, twi- and just had this nice conversation. You're so nice when you're not busy, right? But what about those days when you get up and you're running late? I mean, you're whipping in and out of traffic. You don't even have time to get coffee or you're trying to buy some stuff. at the grocery. It's just we don't see when we're busy or when we're super tired or when we're overscheduled or when we're stressed because we don't have enough margin in our lives, amen? On those days, we don't have time for idle chatter. How many of you know that busyness kills kindness? How many of you know that overextended lives kills kindness? How many of you know that just being underwater yourself will kill your ability to see what's going on in the lives of people around you? I can tell you this, you cannot love your kids, your wife, your husband, your neighbors, if you are stressed out all the time. Not the way you should, amen. You can't see others when you can't see clearly for yourself. Folks, we've got to slow down and we've got to see the needs of others. The Good Samaritan was evidently sensitive enough to stop and see. He saw the needs and he was sensitive like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says we've got to look out for the good of others. See, we're always looking out for our own good, right? But what about looking out for the good of others? Now, some of you were born sensitive, and you're aware, and God bless you. Thank God for people like you. But for the rest of us, we have to work on it, amen? How many of you are kind of like, can I be honest today with you, and you not throw stones at me? I am by nature not a very sensitive person. Can I get a witness in this house? Is there anybody else like that? Amen. I, I, I'm not by nature real sensitive. I don't, can I be transparent? I don't enjoy being around whiners. <laughs> I, I don't really like listening to adult crybabies. Amen. I don't care for people who are martyrs all the time or woe is me types. That, that, I'm just telling you the truth. That kind of stuff annoys me after a while. Right? 
And I happen to be in a profession where it's really not good to not be a sensitive person. Amen. So, so what, what, do I, what, what if you're like me? Man, I have to ask the Lord to help me be aware and to help me see. Lord, help me to tune in. Help me to see people as you see them. Amen. Not as the way I see them. And by the way, let me just throw this in because I'm preaching to myself right now. That's also a form of pride to all of you people who said you're like me. That's just a form of pride. You know, we're self-sustainers, and we're, we think we're so big and we're so bad, we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, amen. You got to be careful about that, amen. Everybody get your ego in check, right? Come on, I'm preaching to you right now. You don't have to say amen. You can say, oh, me. <laughs> but we have to learn. Help me to be on the lookout for people who need help, for people who need encouragement, for people who need care, amen. I was talking about that in the first service, and Debbie Fuller kept yelling amen, and I thought, man, that, that was a passive-aggressive amen. You know, I mean, she works with me, amen. By the way, if you ever want to call the church and you need sympathy, please ask for Debbie. Because she is all the things that I'm not, amen. <laughs> you see, they say that one of the keys to being a great nurse is to be able to anticipate people's pain. One of the keys to being a great Christian and a great neighbor and a great friend is to learn how to anticipate people's pain. Learn to see it. I got to see their needs. That's the first thing. Second thing the Samaritan did, number two, I have to sympathize with their pain. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I tried to make it better and I made it worse. <coughs> the Samaritan, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, notice what it says, he took pity on him. I think in the New King James it says he took compassion, had compassion on him. See, sensitivity starts with our eyes, but sympathy comes from the heart. Amen. See, it's not enough for us just to see people's needs. At some point, our emotions have to kick in and get involved. I got to feel what they feel. The Bible says we're to weep with those who weep. See, how do we become more sympathetic? Verse 33 says, you, he took pity on him. First his eyes kicked in, and then his heart kicked in. And again, people who are not sensitive by nature tend to not be sympathetic by nature. And again, please understand, this does not make us bad people, but we have to learn to not be what we're naturally inclined to be. And can I just throw this in for free? This has nothing to do with my sermon. If you are a believer, we have to quit hiding behind the I am not wired that way cop out. Come on, let me get a little help from somebody here. Have you ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Have you ever heard of I am a new creature in Christ? Have you ever heard of laying something down on the altar and letting the Holy Ghost change you? Amen. If you're not a nice person, you don't get to stay not a nice person if you say you love Jesus. Amen. I, that's something else that gets on my nerves. Amen. Well, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to. No, why don't you learn to be spirit controlled? Amen. Be nice to people, love people. If you're mean, change. If you're nice, stay the same, amen, and help the rest of us in our weak moments. That's right. We got to sympathize with people's pain. The more we do that, the more we can love people the way what? We want to be loved. 
So how do we become more sympathetic? One way is by listening. Everybody say listening. Listen is the key to sympathy, amen? The more I listen, the more sympathetic I'll be. The more I talk, the less sympathetic I'll be. I've got to learn to listen. That's why they say good counselors are good listeners. If you go to a counselor and all they do is talk the whole time, find you another counselor, amen? Because you need somebody that will listen. Now, I'm still, by the way, here we go. This is just uh, uh, confession day for me. I'm still learning this too, amen? Still working on this, learning to listen. I read some advice. I get some blogs in my email box every day. I get a couple of marriage blogs. And a couple of weeks ago, one of the pieces of advice that they gave me, and I never tell Robin about some of these things if I'm not good at it until after I've had a few weeks to try, amen? She didn't hear about this one until this morning in the sermon, amen? But I read one of the marriage articles, and it was about listening. And you know what it said we need to do? It says we need to practice first date listening. Some of y'all laughing because you already know what I'm talking about. Do you remember your first date with your wife or your husband? Man, you just sat across the table like this. And they're talking, and you're, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And you're just hanging on every word, yes, oh, oh, yeah. And you're trying to think of the best way to respond. Every little syllable that's coming out of their mouth, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening. Now, if you're not a natural listener, by the time you got home from that first day, you were exhausted. Just like, that just took every amount of emotional energy. But you're just listening to every word, right? Fast forward 10 years later. 15 years later, you're at the same restaurant. Now, instead of hearing words, you hear Charlie Brown's teacher. Or you you can't even put your phone down long enough to have a conversation, right? Practice first date listening. And when I read that article and I was working on this series, I thought, what would happen if we tried to have a level of listening like that with the people that we interact with? where we just go, Josh, I'm talking to you, and I'm only talking to you. I'm listening to you, and I'm just tuning everybody out. I want to hear what you're saying because I want to feel what you're feeling. I may not even agree with how you got there or why you feel the way. See, sometimes we think, but people just, here's what I know. Everybody needs to be heard, and everybody wants to be validated. Two things you can't tell you. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be validated. We all need that, amen? We want to feel understood. We want to feel validated. You need, you may not admit it, every one of us needs somebody in the world who says, I get you. I understand you. You're not a weirdo. I get what you're going through. We all need somebody to validate us, amen? You're not crazy. I've had that same fear. I've been there. I've done that. I understand where you're going. We all want that, amen? And we all want to feel, and the only way we can do that is by listening and loving. Jesus said to live the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Joe Bailey wrote this in his book on grief called The View from a Hearse, and he said this, talking about listening here. And I quote, he said, I was sitting torn by grief when someone came along and talked to me about God's dealings, of why it happened, of the hope beyond the grave. And he talked constantly. And he said things that I knew were true, but I was unmoved 
except to just wish that he'd go away. And he finally did. Another person came and sat down beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask me leading questions, but he just sat beside me for an hour or more. He listened when I said something, answered briefly, prayed simply, and left. And I was moved, and I was comforted, and I hated to see that guy go. Amen. Here's what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, Obey the law of Christ. Did you know every time you share someone's sorrows and troubles, every time you're sensitive or you're sympathetic, every time you listen and you look, every time you don't just stare but you stop, you're obeying the law of Christ, loving your neighbor as yourself. Number one, I must see their needs. Number two, I must sympathize with their pain. And number three, are you ready? Here it is. I must act in the moment. Everybody say in the moment. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Do what you can in that moment. See, love is not just sensitive and sympathetic. Love sometimes is spontaneous, right? It doesn't always wait. It doesn't always have time to wait. Sometimes it just sees a need and it moves in. It seizes the moment to help. Luke 10, 34. Notice it says he went to him. And he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. See, the Samaritan, he was, on a, he was going somewhere, and he sees this guy beat up, bloody, lying on the side of the road. Everything has been taken from him. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't say, well, you know what? Somebody else will probably call 911. Or I've really got a, a, a heavy calendar. My agenda's full. I really don't have time to stop. I'll check on him when I'm on my way home. No, the Bible says he went to him. He took the initiative. He doesn't wait for the guy to cry out. He doesn't wait for somebody else to come along and help. And see, a lot of us, we're, we're like, well, man, I would happily help somebody. All they got to do is come to me, and all they got to do is ask. And that's good, but sometimes, folks, that's just not enough. Sometimes we got to go to people. Don't wait for your neighbor or your friend or your coworker to say, man, i got a problem financially. I've got a, a situation emotionally. I've got a problem physically. Just go to them. Take the initiative. Be spontaneous. See, because love is not just a feeling. Love is something we do. Love can create feelings. But love is something you do. And you want to know the proof? If love was just a feeling, Jesus couldn't have commanded it and wouldn't have commanded it. See, he commanded us to love. Love is something we do. All through Scripture, we're commanded to love, and you can't command a feeling. You can't command a feeling. It's like saying to your child, I command you to be happy. Well, that ain't going to happen, amen. Not until you load them up with some candy and they forget about what you just got on to them about, Amen. See, you can't force a feeling, but you can command an action. See, love's something you do. He took the initiative. He used what he had. Look at the story. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Oil and wine was a type of medicine of that day. He used what he had. And notice, did you notice it says he bandaged him? I guarantee you he did not have a first aid kit on the back of his camel. Did you think about where did he get the bandage? You know what he did? He probably took out his favorite traveling shirt. I 
I'm just going to use what I've got. I've got to act in the moment. This guy's laying here bleeding, amen. I don't have time for first aid. I don't have time for the EMTs. I just got to use what I've got and act in spontaneity. Did you know why sometimes, folks, we just have to act in the moment and, again, be transparent? If you don't act right then, you're going to talk yourself out of it. Well, I think I'm going to help, and then you go home and you talk yourself out of it. Well, I think I'm going to give, and then you go home and you talk yourself out of it. Well, I really think maybe, maybe somebody should help them, and then after a little while you think, but it doesn't have to be me. See, we talk ourselves out of stuff sometimes, amen? Here's the proof, too. I mean, have you ever been in a service and you felt like, yes, and, the, and they're talking about missions, and you're like, yes, I, Lord, is that you telling me to give a sum of money? And you know what you do? You go home and you think about it and you pray about it, and then you don't do anything. Or there's a service and they're saying, we need you to sign up for a dream team. Or we want to challenge you to go out into the community and do something. And we get all inspired in the moment, but if we don't act, sometimes we talk ourselves out of it. Sometimes, folks, you just act in the moment. It's like seeing somebody changing a flat tire on the side of the road. If you're a man and it's a woman, you just act in the moment. You stop and you help. Or you see somebody, and sometimes you walk. Have you ever walked past somebody and the Lord spoke to you and said, speak to them or give them this or whatever? Can I just tell you, that ain't the devil telling you to do it. <laughs> that ain't the devil telling you to be nice to them or do something good for them. And it's probably not your flesh either, amen? Unless you're you know, ready to do one of these numbers. Look at me feeding the poor, you know. And that's another issue altogether, amen? But act in the moment. Look what Galatians 6 and 10 says. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity. See, you may not always have the opportunity. You may not always have the resources. But when you can and when you do, act on it. Because you're laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. And then the last thing I want to say, praise team musicians, come on up. The fourth thing that we can learn from the Samaritan about loving others as we want to be loved is sometimes I have to make an investment. Folks, there's always a cost to kindness and loving other people around you. Everybody say love cost. Luke 10, 34, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. And if that wasn't enough, the icing on the cake was, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. See, there's always a cost to kindness. It usually requires a sacrifice, a sacrifice of time, sacrifice of energy, a sacrifice of your schedule. It may even require sacrifice of money. Amen. He, in this case, he put him on his own donkey. Guess what? That means I'm walking. <laughs> he took him to an inn. I'm giving my hotel money for this guy. If the bill's higher, I'll take care of it when I get back. He didn't even know this guy. What did he have to gain by helping this guy? Nothing. But let me tell you this. When you learn to love like the Good Samaritan, when you live by the golden rule, hear me, God keeps perfect score. And you will be repaid because you're laying up treasures in heaven. Amen. You hear about somebody who's going through something at home. You don't even have to call them and say, 
Do you need me to bring you anything? Just bring them something. Drop some groceries off on the front door. Amen. Cut the grass. Do something. Show them some love. Send them a card. Send them a text. Amen. There's so many promises in the Bible about giving and helping people in need. Uh, more than even any other promises. But sometimes you have to make an investment. Some of you, you might, this year's not closed out yet. You, I, I challenge you, make an investment in missions. Make an investment in something that goes beyond. Make an investment in the community. Join a dream team and serve in the church. Uh, help at a homeless shelter. Amen. Do something. Make an investment. Because when people, when you want to live by the golden rule, when you want to be love people the way you want to be loved, treat people the way you want to be treated, sometimes it will cost you something. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Jesus ended the story with a question. In verse 36 and verse 37, he asked the guy, he said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The three being the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan. And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. That was the sermon and the altar call all in once. Just go and do likewise. And folks, I just want to challenge you today. We're spending a whole month talking about loving our neighbors. Live by the golden rule. Live by the golden rule. It's the words of Jesus. I want our church to be known as a loving, giving church. And I'm thankful that we do. We got some great people in this church. Amen. You know, this month we're trying to do what Jesus said. Go and do likewise. In the first week, I challenge you to look for somebody that you can just show some kindness to. This whole month, we're collecting groceries to fill grocery bags for MSEF and to minister to people in our community. We're trying to go and do likewise. We're just trying to love people the way you want to be loved, treat people the way you want to be treated. And can you think of anything that would be more like Jesus than doing that? In a world today where so many people are so selfish and just so focused on themselves, can you imagine how different we can be just by loving the way Jesus loved. So as the praise team begins to sing, I want to invite you to come to this altar, and I want to invite you to come down, and I want you to just begin to say, Lord, help me to be more like you. Help me to be more sensitive. Help me to slow down. You, you might even have to say, God, help me be less selfish with my time, with my resources. Help me to be more compassionate. Help me to be less judging. Help me to just, help me to love people the way I want to be loved. Help me to see people the way I want people to see me. Help me, God, to be that person. Could you do that? Why don't we just gather around this altar? They're going to sing. And just come down and lift your hands and say, Lord, help me to live by the golden rule. Help me to be like you, Lord. Come on, that's it. You might even know somebody right now that this week you want to go show the love of Jesus to. Amen. The devil's not telling you to do it. Amen. That's God. Amen. That's the Spirit. Yes, Lord, help me. Help me to love others. 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 
love the way you want me to love. Come on, I see it all over this house. Help me to live by the golden rule.
But Matthew 7 and verse 12, these are the words of Jesus, and I close. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. And then he said this, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. I love it, and that's several times you find that in the New Testament, a version of that statement. I love it because Jesus said, if you would just love people and treat people the way you want to be treated, he said, you're fulfilling everything I tried to get across to you in the law and through all the prophets. We can change our world by loving this way. I talked to you on Friend Day about how to love people that way. It's through the love of Christ. We're all capable of that. And I believe this world needs it like never before. Amen. Why don't we close by giving God a great praise? Can we do it? Can you lift your hands and lift your voice? Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. We bless you today, mighty God. We worship here. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. And we thank you today. We thank you today. We thank you today. In Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' holy name. Well, God bless you. I'm going to give you a sneak peek. Next Sunday is Family Worship Sunday. We're going to close out this series. I'm going to preach on a subject that I've never preached on in 26 years of pastoring. I'm going to close out this service next week and talk to you about how you can love your enemies. How you can love your enemies. Amen. So bring an enemy with you to church next week. No, I'm kidding. Amen. Because they might go, hey, you haven't been loving me that way. Amen. Now, we're going to talk about that next week. I pray you have an amazing week this week. Go out and love somebody and treat somebody the way you want to be treated and watch how they respond. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have an awesome week. God bless each of you. Amen.